0: That's N-O-O-M to sign up today.
1: What is up? Welcome to another episode of Talking Pitching. Today we are joined by a pitcher who just happens to be one of the most interesting men in all of baseball. Our guest graduated from the University of Oregon in just three and a half years with a sociology degree. A-plus golfer, avid gamer, used to have quite the Twitch channel playing really anything and everything. He's the director of operations for Swerve and Limited, a brand that was once about custom fishing rods but is now about so much more he just wrapped up a season with a 3.98 era over 181 frames he possesses a few things that nick and i don't like a four seamer that can touch 95 he can locate on a dime and most notably he possesses a steam deck you can find him on instagram at swerven underscore irvin 19 the one the only cole Irvin. cole welcome to the cast my friend how you doing
2: oh i'm great um let me clear up some of those things that you mentioned already oh Um, no oh god yeah that that whole swerving limited phase uh is on hold for for the time being um i was was on the website just yesterday looking at that uh, dude i don't even know how that website's still up i haven't paid for it in the hot minute um (laughs) So, um, so yeah, there's that, uh, outside of everything else, I think you covered, it was perfect. Um, but yeah, no, that the whole, the whole swerve and limited thing, if that, that thing's on hold until, uh, I actually start doing some things in my baseball (laughs) career first.
1: We'll get to that. We're going to have to, we'll get to the LinkedIn page later. We'll, we'll get that off of LinkedIn a little bit later. I know you just came off the links though. How did you, how'd you shoot today?
2: How are you feeling? uh felt good i was five over on the front and i think i was like five over on the back or something like that um so 10 over on the day i'm a four handicap so that's about normal for how i shoot four Uh, that's impressive
1: i was i was looking at your instagram because chris bassett commented on one of your posts saying he thought you were a negative six handicap but four is four is pretty impressive
2: yeah i'm not a plus you know but he's he's uh he and i well I should say he went for a club throw one time and, uh, we were golfing up in his neck of the woods in North Carolina and well, that club throw may or may not have, uh, squared me up in the chest. Oh my God what <laughs> so bass uh bass is one of my best friends and like we laugh about it to this day but he refuses to golf with me ever since he we have like four scheduled like opportunities for him to come down to where i'm at in charlotte mm-hmm. and be able to golf not one of those won't do he, it he, he, it it's almost like i have to I might have to meet him on his own turf again for that to happen mm. because, uh, I think I've intimidated him not only being a better golfer, but also, oh. um, but also just for him throwing his club and hitting it, my <laughs> I'm hitting it in my chest. So, uh, that is unbelievable. It's, it's, it's great. So yeah, there's a, there's always a competition from, you know, former teammates and stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of the guys that I'm close with also golf. So,
1: If we're ever lucky enough to talk to Chris Bassett, I know what the leading question is going to be. I'm going to give him time to apologize to you on air um, about hitting you in the chest with a golf club. Listen, I I want to talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you're pitching last year, man. Career year for you. Career best whip, career best K rate, career best swinging strike rate, career best DRA, career high innings pitched. Was there was there something different that clicked for you in the 23 season?
2: Uh, it's just more confidence. Um, mm. You know, the more innings you get under your belt, the more the more you see guys, the more you understand what it takes to pitch at this level. Um, and and granted, like everyone is going to go through highs, everything one's going to go through lows. And you know, I haven't r- really stepped into kind of what I know I'm capable of yet. I, th- I think there's still stuff for me to grasp. I think still there. I think there's still um, things that I can do as a, as a pitcher to kind of continue and improve. And I'm seeing it already here being with the Orioles. And I know we'll get into that a little bit later, but um, yeah, last year was a great year. And I think it was just because I knew I had to step up not only as um, a guy in the rotation for us um, in Oakland, but even more so as a, being a better teammate and, and leader in the clubhouse, um, mm. you know, beyond what we had. I mean, we had Frankie Montas for half the year, and and he was great. Um, but as soon as he left, we had another half a year, you know, a few months left, and, you know, I had to step up uh, as, you know, a, a leader in the rotation, and I knew that coming into the year. Um, as soon as we traded Sean, as soon as we uh, traded – bass. And I think when you're expected to do something, um, I think it raises your competitiveness a little bit more. Um, mm. I think we're all, uh, you ask any ball player or any athlete or anyone in general, if you're challenged to do something, your focus and your level of intensity gets, comes up a little bit higher and, um, you, you, tend on to take a better load. So, um, it's, Uh, but that, I think that's just kind of how the year kind of unfolded for me. And then that's how it, that's how it, uh, came about. Wish it, wish that ERA was a little bit lower. I shot myself in the foot in September, but that's, that's all my doing. It's had nothing to do with situations or anything. I just, I did not have a good month. Well, your
3: four seamer though was way better last year, right? In 2021, you had like a 9% swing strike rate moved up to near 13%. Uh, and, I see that more because you elevated a ton more than you used to. Is that just the confidence and, and focusing a lot more on trying to elevate? Was that something you were trying to do before or was that actually a, an approach that you focused on for the year?
2: Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely saw some, um, and I've been told for a long time that, that my fastball plays up, uh, more in the zone. Um, and, and for me, for a guy that throws, below league average um and i know where i sit like I, I know where i'm at um and game to game is different and each and, and the other thing is is like every single game is different so it's like i don't want to continue to live at the top of the zone and not be able to bring it back down when i need to against this particular mm-hmm. club mm-hmm. um you know a lot of what i do is very strategic and and calculated and so yeah, pitching at the top of the zone last year was yeah, I, it led to success and I kind of stayed up there a little bit more and um but I, but ultimately um I like pitching down at the bottom um because it plays to my changeup, it plays into the other speed pitches I have, but um seeing that success there, um you, know, you you have to think about it a little bit um on my end, uh, especially And I got a lot more righties out up there and I got a lot more lefties out up there. So Hmm. is it more of a put away location? We'll see. Um, That's stuff that I'm, I'm kind of going through and trying to figure out with my arsenal with what we're working on here um, in Baltimore. So um, first lives tomorrow. So we'll see how it plays out and see it against our own guys and then kind of take it into spring training. I love that. I mean, No, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. No, I I, I was
3: curious. You said about um, certain days that you are going to elevate it and then you face different clubs and you want to get it down. You want to change the game plan. And that kind of game theory is always so interesting to me because you have some pitchers that just say, you know what? I'm throwing four seamers up and around the zone and that's it. I don't care who you are as a hitter. That is what my strength is. And I'm just going to do that. While, you know, what you're saying is we adapt more to the hitters. Are there certain red flags or things that you look for that say, okay, I'm going to, tack this guy up and this one down
2: yeah um there there are there are guys that 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 you have different plans for and for me i'm very much a command guy so i know i can throw it at the top of the top of the zone i can throw it at the bottom of the zone with command and know where it's going to be um you know i'll have my starts where i have no idea where it's going that's (laughs) that's baseball like yeah. that yeah. is just baseball. Like we yeah. are human beings out there trying to compete at the best of our abilities. And sometimes the best of our abilities, it's, it's our C minus game. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that's always a challenge. But when right. you're, when you're game planning and you're trying to figure out, you know, that like, Hey, such and such hitter is a really good low ball hitter, especially down and in really loves to bring that barrel through. So if we're going to, get down with the pitch or didn't get down with the ball. We're going to make sure it's away. So like, and, and you know, you can go up beyond that. So when it's, so when you're, you know, s- certain hitters, you can get up with and, and stay up there and live up there. Um, but again, it's just, it comes down to game plan. It comes down to, to kind of what you're reading in the game. Cause all you, all that game planning that happens before the game hat, like, Oh yeah, it goes out the window. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's no different yeah. from the first drive of an NFL game whether it's scripted or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to change that script man. Maybe one in which
1: Lamar Jackson signs a contract, but that's a different podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a different podcast. But no, that's yeah. what I'm saying is like it, it's just dependent it's dependent on what I'm seeing, how I'm reacting and and there's a lot of good pitchers out there, really good pitchers. That say, I'm going to throw like you said, like, I'm going to throw to my strengths and mm-hmm. you're going to have to adjust. But what happens when they adjust and they're already there and you're not, you don't have anything left. right? And for yeah. me, it's having options, having a multitude of options because the days that I don't throw my best, that's another look that the hitter hasn't seen of mine. So sure. what, have, what am I doing really well that day in that moment that I can go to constantly and still get outs? And I think that sometimes gets overlooked a lot of the time when you're looking at analytics, when you're looking at guys' stuff, is like, okay, but how does – like I want to know what he does on his worst start, in his worst yeah. feeling day. I love yep. knowing what guys go to, what guys try to do, where they're trying to look on the catchers. Sometimes you're looking at the – sh- a catcher's chest protector because you mm. can't figure out where the fastball is going or where the sinker is going, right. where the slider is going. So like everyone's slightly different for me. I have to have multiple plans of attack yeah. um, and it's attack. It's not defense. It's just multiple mm. plans of attack. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, so what
1: are the things that we try and hit on hit upon a lot in this podcast series that we have is the mental aspect of the game, right? One of the things that we are always trying to convey at PitcherList is like, yeah, you're a human being. And at the end of the day, like when you mess up, it's not like you're like, great, so happy I gave up five earned runs or seven earned runs. Isn't that awesome? You're pissed and you're dealing with that emotionally. And Lord knows you probably got some crazy DMs from some lunatic fans and you got to take that home to your wife and you're dealing with that. How do do you compartmentalize that stuff? I mean, it's like you said, you you had a fantastic start. um, One of the last starts of August, you're cooking seven innings pitch, no one runs Uh, 11 Ks against the Marlins. Right. And then you struggle a little bit later in a start against the Mets. Walk us through that mental approach for you. And then how has that evolved as you have, you know, you know, going into your fifth year in Major League Baseball?
2: I think I think, Yeah. I think um, what's interesting about my two starts that I really just blew up. I mean, mm. I mean, blew up and I laugh about it. Like it's, it's baseball. Like you can't, if you're sitting here, if you're sitting here going like, Oh, I'm going to be perfect every single day. Hey, all, all, all power to you. I I, I applaud you for that thinking, but when stuff goes wrong, you got to be prepared for it. And yeah. for me, like the starts against at home starts against Atlanta and uh, the Mets. I don't remember anything about those starts. I honestly don't. Mm. You could ask me what I did well in those starts and I couldn't tell you. But you asked me what I did against Houston in my last start against them at their place. I will tell you this I gave up four runs, faced nine batters in the first inning. Mm. I still went seven innings. Mm. And I knew ex- exactly how I got all of them out. Those are the games that I remember the games that I was absolutely dog and I'll save the other word for it (laughs) because I want everyone to listen. I want everyone to listen, you know, thank you
3: so much for saying that,
2: Cole. We appreciate appreciate that. Yeah, (laughs) so but but I was awful in that first that first inning. I even mm-hmm. waved off my pitching coach, like getting the dugout. Like I had two mm-hmm. outs. I knew what I needed to do. I needed to throw a change up to get him out. I knew it. And that's what I did. If one pitch, one out, changeup, got out of the inning. And we were in that ball game um, still, even though it was only the first inning. Um, and I think to me, like games like that and games, like even the games that like I pitched really well, um, you mentioned the Marlins game. Um, yeah. Yeah fastballs at the top of the zone got a lot of swings and misses but
3: oh, a lot is a is a word you had 21 whiffs on your four seamer in that <laughs> yeah. game which i think was the most of any pitch by any <laughs> pitcher in the year uh eric Lowry and you both did that which is
2: insane that's wild to me um because i to me it was just it was what was working and oddly enough i didn't have my slider that day mm. like i felt like i didn't have much to go off of. So it was literally throwing fastballs at the top of the zone, fastballs in and changeups down and away. And it was still getting out. So I just, again, that was, goes back to the whole game planning and, and having a, 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 like you can do all you want and you have to be able to adjust in game. Um, and like, I like enjoying like the biggest thing with the mentality side of things is like I like to work quick, and I like to I like to make my decision because that first decision. So, like for instance, if if Adley this year calls a curveball because he sees one thing, but I want a heater at the top of the zone, like we talked about.
0: Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last.
2: I'm going to go with the heater at the top of the zone, no matter what we shake to. And then I don't care how many times we got to shake to get to it mm. because to me, I am the most, I am the best pitcher I could possibly be on the pitch, pitch that I trust and mm. the pitch that I want to throw in that moment. If it gives up a hit, it gives up a hit, but I can live with that rather than trying to throw something that I'm not a hundred percent behind. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: oh. so it's, uh, it's actually funny. You mentioned the, uh, the, the pacing, I, I think I saw a stat today about uh, Shoyo Otani, of course, taking a long time. I think you were the second fastest in the majors. Shane oh, Beaver between pitches. Shane Beaver. Oh, man. One day. But <laughs> who's counting?
2: So how are you going to be? There's the one I mean, stat, if there's one stat that I actually that like actually cared <laughs> about was trying to be the fastest <laughs> pitcher in baseball.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, you just yell at Adley be like, you know, yeah, Adley, no. please get the fastball. I don't care if you got the curveball. But I'm it's just to like, throw uh, the fastball. Good luck to your wrist.
2: Oh, gosh. No, that's like <laughs> one stat that I, I actually like cared about. I would ask like our radio department when I'd walk by them after BP, like, hey, has anything moved? Like, where am I at? And like <laughs> yeah. at one point, I was leading halfway through the year. And I'm excited about this year because the hitter has to be. Um, oh, you're right. They were holding you back. The hitters. It wasn't you. Oh, I got stepped out on multiple times. Right. It's unfair. So the, so the hitter gets one one step out in that bat and they have to be attentive attentive, excuse me, at 7 seconds. Right. So, if they're in the box at 7, they've already used their step out. I'm not saying that I'm quick pitching, okay? I'm not saying <laughs> that I'm quick pitching. But what I'm saying is is in my in my process, I'm trying to release the ball every 13 seconds. And here's why Mm. I was told in college by Ken Revisa, who's no longer with, with us. Um, but he was a great mental skills coach. And I remember this from my sophomore fall meeting with them, with him. And it, and it was pitchers only. And it said, it takes 13 seconds for a hitter for, to forget the previous pitch. Hmm. Hmm. So in my head, if a hitter is holding on to that pitch for those 13 seconds at 14 and I'm throwing a pitch, he's still thinking about that last pitch. Mm, Right. Love that. So in my head, that's that's a strategic advantage. And I've always pitched in that window. I've always pitched in that window. It has nothing to do with, with the pitch clock. has nothing to do with that's just how I've always got my motors going. So now they're giving me an opportunity to throw pitches a little quicker than that and actually at the right. speed that I want to. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's so
3: fascinating. We've heard so much about being a negative for pitchers where either you'll get fatigued faster, which I do understand. Um, some pitchers might need the extra rest in between, or the they first don't get month the game plan as much. But
2: yeah, the first month is going to be is going to be where everyone's going to be complaining about it, mm-hmm. right? And then that's the... going to be baseball again, right? Yeah, um, I'm not worried. I mean, about, have... I'm not worried about the pitch clock. I really am not. The what, one which, that which I am worried about mm-hmm. is going to
3: add like extra seconds to the pitch clock, and it's going to be like a second is really like a second point two. It's like help their pitchers yeah. on a given day.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's some there's some loopholes behind it. There's some loopholes around it, you know. Um, but I don't know how much we're gonna get away with it right away. Hmm. Um, and that's where spring training and the first month are really gonna be the kind of ebbs and flows of how this thing's gonna go. Yeah,
1: you were just saying though the one thing that you were worried oh, about. Oh yeah, yeah, the
2: one thing that I'm worried about is uh is varying times and holding runners. I do, I do throw the ball to the plate pretty quick. I'm I'm like a one under one, two, one, one, um, average to the plate out of the stretch to me, if I'm a base runner and by no means am I a base runner? (laughs) Um, but if I'm a base runner, I'm trying to bait the pitcher to throw twice over. Yeah. A hundred percent. Without a doubt. I don't care about the clock. Mm. I could tell myself, Hey, I'm, I'm getting off as far as I can to bait him to throw twice. I don't care when he does. I'm just, I'm going back to first. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not stealing, just bait the throw. Now there's only a handful of guys that will probably be able to get away with that and do that. But that would be my strategy if I'm a base stealer is bait the throw, because now that third, I either have to pick you off mm-hmm. or or you get second no matter what.
1: Yeah. Or throw throw a pitch out, which is wasting a pitch. Right. Like then that, That's so contextual. That's what I was worried about. Like, are we yeah. going to see so many more pitch outs for that? You know, we see we see them try and go twice. Then we pitch out. We wasted a pitch in doing that. And that's also probably the last thing you even want to be thinking about. Like, you don't want that. – you've got enough to think about. The last thing you want to be thinking about is, all right, how many times did I just throw over? Is he going to go now? Do I need to pitch it out? It's just like – that's
2: a lot. It's a lot to do. Yeah, and to me, the art of pitching is varying a hold because not only are you varying a hold to hold a base runner, but you're varying a hold to disrupt the hitter's timing. Hmm. And so now you're giving a hitter a a chance to – get comfortable but that's where again we talk about we just talked about how I like to work at a fast pace that's how you're going to be able to get away with messing with the hitter's timing if you're on the rubber at 3 seconds, 4 seconds, 5 seconds whatever it may be and you're ready to go and you come set when the hitter's ready at 7 mm. or 9 or whatever it is and you still got 11, 12 seconds to work with it's going to be the normal game to you the game mm-hmm. isn't gonna change all that much. Because now you can have a four or five second hold mm-hmm. and still be able to throw a pitch with plenty of time left on the clock. Right. Are
3: you gonna be jogging back after you throw a pitch to the rubber?
2: I will literally throw a pitch and start walking back to the top of the rubber ready below. <laughs> <I> <can't. laughs> like I love it. <laughs> like I love it. It's like we'll see in the live tomorrow because we'll have the clock going. But it's not like we're not going to like have it like regimented. Um, Mm, It's it's just going to go. So I'm going to see where we're at. I'm going to see where I'm at tomorrow with it.
1: I I can't wait until fans start doing the countdown to try and intimidate the pitcher. But in Baltimore, it might need to be the other way. Baltimore fans, I think, are really going to love hearing this. And I think they're really going to get a kick out of you. And they already have gotten a kick out of you. Obviously, since I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan, I keep track of kind of what the fan base is and isn't excited about. And they're excited about you coming into camp wearing an MLB Jam shirt with Eddie Murray and Cal Ripken on it. I saw that. I almost flipped the table. I was ready to get my Swerve and Irving tattoo. You mentioned when we were talking that you like to connect to a team's history, right? That's something that you really like to do. So talk to me a little bit about that because not everyone's like that.
2: Yeah, no, I I think what, I'm a fan of the game of baseball. I'm a fan of the traditional game of baseball. Like I don't, I've never been a fan of the shift. So the shift ain't going to bother me. Um, You know, like, but in terms of the history of the game, like being with Philly, like there were so many, like, I, I actually worked with Larry Boa before I even got to like work with him in spring training, um, and like he was great. Being able to talk to Charlie Manuel every spring training, and he and I would just talk about fishing. It didn't even have to be about baseball, but he called me left-hander, and something that's like you know those are things that like I will remember for my career and my life. Anytime I have a run-in with a a past generation ball player that just loves still being around the game, being around the athletes. Like I always enjoy that they give back. So for me, it's like, I want to wear stuff that maybe just like older or just like, you know, showing love for what they did in that uniform, because fans remember that fans remember you know they remember numbers they remember stats they remember things and like for me as a player coming into an organization it's important for me to know the history of a numbers it's important to know the history of of that team like shoot i have i like i think the first baseball card set i had was nothing but cal ripken junior it was a full box set of a cal ripken junior cards Mm. and they were all different and it was an honor it was 2000 it was it was his iron man box set is what it was wow and it was nothing but cal ripkin junior cards that's amazing and i still have it i still have it like i'll I'll have to find it it's at my dad's place wow um and there's probably cal ripkin cards somewhere that are (laughs) not in the box set so i definitely ruined the value of it but (laughs) But that's not the point. Like to me, like there's another fond memory I have with Cal Ripken and it may not be much of one to him or or his son, Ryan, but we had a rain delay at the Under Armour All-American game. And my dad has a photo at at his house of me and Ryan standing at the top of Wrigley Field, um, standing on top of the dugout, signing autographs, waiting for the rain delay to end. And so there's Ripken and Irvin right next to it and but in that dugout before that happened i was talking to cal about just baseball for an hour during that rain delay and to me that's like like that was awesome meeting ernie banks and being able to like have him sign Mm -hmm. something for me like and you know him no longer being with us like to me is like i had an interaction with him we talked, I remember what that conversation was all about. And it's like, for me, when those guys come around, I want to know a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like, Oh, you don't know who this is. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I'm excited. If there, if there's never like an opportunity to, um, meet anyone from the world series teams from Baltimore, you know, that happened 40 years ago, you know, relax. All right. <laughs> I remember. I, I, look, but, I remind but, of every but, other podcast, Cole. You know, But yeah. this isn't. But this isn't a, a bash on that, right? Like, no, no, I know, right? Yeah, like, yeah. it's 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 more so like I want to honor, like the. T- yeah. like, I would love to hear stories from those from that year. Like, who doesn't want to hear stories from that year? Of course,
1: yeah, of course. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of people, too, that like, you know, you know Nick, I'll throw it over to you because you have a question about this, too. But I just want to say how awesome that is to hear because, again, not every pitcher is like that. And there is such a rich history there, like you said. I mean, not just Cal, you know, Boog Powell's around all the time. Brooks Robinson's luckily still with us, which is awesome. And he's still a part of the organization yeah. in a big way. But I'm excited for you, too, just as a human being, because... Obviously, that organization is changing a bit. Mm -hmm. Right. We don't know what the future holds for them, but we know it's a very exciting young organization. And I'll say this, and I hope you get to experience it at its core, at its core. That is a baseball city. The Ravens are obviously a really great team. They've had a a good run. You know, there's a history there with the Colts and so forth and so on. But I was fortunate enough to be in Baltimore when Delman Young hit his double against Detroit in game two. And it felt like it felt like it was an earthquake, dude. It felt like it was an earthquake.
2: So when I was traded, I looked up and and O's fans could probably get excited about this because this is what I looked up First thing getting traded outside of getting the MLB Jam shirt. Was (laughs) Was <laughs> postseason baseball at Camden Yards. That was the first thing I looked up, and that was the first thing that popped up, and it was electric. the 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 vibe, like everything, I'm excited. I hope, I hope I get to experience it. I know that's the goal, that's the plan, um, but I'm I'm invested. Like I'm, I really enjoy being a part of the ball club and learning. Shoot there's going to be fans there that have had season tickets for their lifetime. I'm excited to yeah. meet them. You know, it was no different from ACE fans. There was a, there was a bunch of A's fans that had had season tickets there for years. And I enjoyed interacting with them, hearing their stories, being in those seats. Oh, I know so-and-so. I know this from this. And it was like, that's that's why I love connecting with fans. That's why I love honoring past players, because there's a connection between all of that.
3: Mm. Absolutely. Mm, beautiful. Um, and then speaking of that transition, what was it like for you? I mean, here you are somewhere, and you find out you get traded to to Baltimore.
2: What was that process like? I got to stop getting traded around my birthday. That's the first thing. <laughs> we'll talk to some people for you.
1: Yeah, we'll
3: see. We Good
2: night. Done. This is the <laughs> second time I've been traded, and second time has been multiple days before my birthday. Like, I don't know who got the memo that that's is this is going to be a thing, but I don't want it to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because then I'm just stressed out on my birthday like, what do I need to do? Like, (laughs) do I have all my flights booked? Do I have all this? I need to cancel that. Yeah. Uh, We're good now. Um, (laughs) We're good now. Uh, I love that. But, no, Uh, the transition has been great. Um, The coaching staff has been amazing uh, with with kind of development in areas that I had already been working on in the offseason. Um, To a point that we're actually probably ahead of where they thought they might have me um, just in terms of um, what what we want to work on. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's been it's been a lot of fun to kind of just tinker and ask questions and get answers. And um, ultimately, like. It's it's a nice place because a lot of their players have been developed through the organization, right? Yeah. So there's something they're doing there correctly, and I I see it firsthand. Um, they have the right people in the right spots. When you have a question, you get an answer immediately, mm-hmm. and and that's always that's that's very rewarding for for a guy like me that loves asking questions, and doesn't like to tinker very much. I like to just go immediately into the game, and and try it.
3: To bring you back to what we were talking about before, uh, you said you were working on some things in, in the off season.
2: Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you allowed to
3: share what you were working on?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been working on my curveball and slider. And, and, and I think what's funny, and I think Alex, you and I were, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in our text conversation last night or not, but what was interesting was a lot of my slider usage last year was labeled curveball.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
3: we were we were wanted to get down to the, that now.
1: That's that's, that's like a question we have. have our, before, yeah. It's
3: like half of our podcast notes here are asking about this. So good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead though. Let me hear what you got to say.
3: Go did ahead. Did they
2: did they blend last year? Yes. Okay. But there were a handful of starts that they were definitely sliders, they were just labeled curveballs. Okay. Um and I I up my usage a little bit last year on the curveball but it wasn't as much as every program I'm seeing out there <laughs> says. Um, and that's because the slider and curveball ball kind of blended a little bit last year. Um, one was like, it was a little bit slurvy at time. Um, I was messing with different grips, like halfway through the season um, end of the season, I had a different slider grip. So like, that's just going to happen over the course of a year, but I, I think it's important to note that, like, I was using more slider in my head slider than curveball last year, but the results, based on horizontal movement and uh, vertical movement, um, for for the nerds at home, uh, they actually blended enough that they were, yeah, two different shapes, but they kind of worked seamlessly, perfectly together. Um, so even though it was inconsistent, it actually was more consistent to my game. So we actually, I actually like made a step in the right direction. I just didn't know what I did. <laughs> mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I know. get, I get here to Baltimore. They're like, hey, we liked this shape and that shape. But I was like, well, that's a different. Well, time out. That's a curveball. That's the that's the new slider grip. They're like, well, what's this? I said, that's my old slider grip. They're mm. like, oh, we don't want that. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I should have said, we didn't like train that for one, that but like, yeah, but yeah. like, but like, yeah, they don't, they don't want that. Like I get it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, yeah, yeah. but that's ended up why where we're at now. Like my curveball the other day, um, was, was nasty. Um, <sighs> I, I, I literally looked back at whoever the pitching coach, I don't remember which pitching coach was behind me. But I look back and I went, ooh, we got a new tool. Ooh, <laughs> like, I was like I was like, I was like, I was throwing it a little bit harder. Um, I'm trying to throw the slider a little bit harder because now I'm trying to, now I'm trying to get it that the, the curveball into more of like a 77 to 79 range. Okay. Um, I'm trying to throw it a little firmer and we fixed the grip a little bit to make that. So they're more distinguishable now. Mm-hmm. But what I had before was a loose adaptation of what I'm doing now. Okay. Right. So, so I don't feel I, so bad that, so, that we so, had
3: the wrong classification now,
2: is what yeah, I'm, now I'm taking better, away Yeah, now I feel better from this. So yeah. like, yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Like it wasn't like like it wasn't like any of the data points were wrong. Mm. It was like the way I was holding the pitch didn't allow it to spin or move in the way that like I thought it was moving. So, like, I went back to my high A grip, oh. which right now, this is right now, I went back to my mm-hmm. high A grip, which is holding the basically horseshoe of the ball, um, the front towards like a, a two seam. So, if you got a two seam, you're holding it almost pretty darn close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more so middle fingers on that, uh, on that seam there. Yep, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm making sure that I got a solid grip on my finger. Um, or on my uh, thumb to my ring finger. Sorry. Excuse me. Making sure the ring fingers out of the way, middle mm-hmm. finger and thumb are like perfect together. And then gotcha. I'm holding cause my finger is the last thing to come off. Right. I'm making sure that the index pressure is on their firm, firmer, a little bit firmer than the middle finger pressure.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to text you Ooh. something after this, Cole, that we got to talk about this for, yeah, for sure. But sorry, yeah, I don't, I don't want to cut you off. Keep, you said yeah. the magic word, Cole. Yeah, really? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So there's that. And then it's the slider. I'm trying to literally throw it. I'm trying to throw both of those, and I am right now throwing them out of my fastball slot. So it's it's literally coming in like a fastball, and it's coming off of it really hard. So it's like mm. it's now turned into more of like a lethal weapon than it has turned into like – like more of a strike pitch which it has has been in the past so um is it
3: more getting a more of like a cutter shape because of that because you are throwing it like uh like we talked to gallon and gallons like yeah i needed to throw my slider as if mentally i'm thinking it's a cutter so i don't change the shape of my wrist and
2: release and i actually do come through
3: as you said like the fastball
2: uh no so i actually have a cutter and I, and, mm-hmm. and the O's know I have a cutter, but they're like, Hey, let's not go to that yet. Let's try to get the slider the first. Cutters? No, no, no. Like for my arsenal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 For my,
2: for my arsenal, like the cutter is a good pitch for me, but we're trying to see if we can get the same like horizontal movement, uh, glove side mm. at a little bit firmer. Yeah. Um, Velocity. So we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how the pen goes tomorrow, or sorry, live goes tomorrow, and that'll that'll determine what what's where we're headed <laughs> with that pitch. That's, sure. yeah. that's so very exciting, that's man. very exciting.
1: Yeah, that is super exciting. Well, listen, we we got a few more questions for you. Your DoorDash is here. We want to get you to <laughs> to your Chinese food because it's better hot. Um, but there's a few things. We only have a few more, and these are quicker. But before we move to the few quicker ones, let's set the record straight. Four seam sinker, curveball, change cutter, slider. That's the arsenal. Four seam sinker, curveball, change cutter, slider. Yep. Okay. Cool. We're gonna I'm, we're gonna let the right people know. Um, but let's get to the fun stuff. We got three quick questions. These are the fun ones. You know, we, we learning about you. You as a human being. Oh gosh. The best. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's just as interesting. I'm Not gonna lie. Uh, the best and worst golfer. That you've played with uh, in baseball, who and we don't have to. We're not trying to dunk on guys, but who's the best? Who gives you the biggest run for your money on 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 the course, and who's maybe needs to hang it up?
2: Jake Diekman. Um, oh, yes, gives, gives me a really good run for my money. Um, mm-hmm. Has taken it a few times. Um, <laughs> because I love him. And he's one of my favorite teammates of all time. Um, but I, I, I just – I think it's just fun just to throw shade at him. Lou Trevino, get off the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, all right. uh, but, but he's but – like, I should say this. He's actually not that bad. But hmm. I just like throwing shade at him because um, he's like <laughs> – He's, he's like my golf buddy. Like we did everything together last year before he got traded. Um, mm-hmm. he, and, and, and the year prior to that, uh, him, Deekman and myself, we'd go play golf quite a bit. So, um, the, the, I will say, I will say the, out of the golf group that I've, I've played with, um, I've played with a lot of good golfers, but I think Deekman takes the cake on just like he can not show up the course for three weeks or three months or however long he doesn't need to golf and show up to the course and shoot a 74.
1: Oh my God. That's amazing. It's like, it's unbelievable.
2: That's
3: that's insane.
0: insane. Um,
3: Well, to bring it back to, uh, to baseball, we all have that vision of, uh, bill Durham, uh, Durham. Oh my God. Uh, where there's an amazing mound visit, right? The all me and the mound, they talk about anniversary gifts or whatever. What is the best mound visit that you've had? <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> A. we're in A. and uh, a pitching coach comes out. We're in a jam. I think we're got second and third, one out, and uh, I know, it might have it might have been first and second or something like that. Might have been bases loaded. I don't remember the. It was a jam. One out, I remember one out, and he, goes, he comes out. And he goes, "Hey man, how you doing?" And I said, "We're dealing with a lot of sh out here." <laughs> and and quoting Bull Durham, and he looks at me and goes, "You did not just quote that." And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like. <laughs> uh, it was one of, it was one of those moments where it just happened organically. That yeah, I just looked yeah. at him. He looked at me. He started laughing and just walked off. <laughs> that was it. That, that was, was the mouth visit. <laughs> there was you a start. I got out of it. No, no runs after that. Like there it was, go, it working. was, it was, it was great. Like he knew I was Works. good. He knew I was good. And I like to have fun in mount visits. I really do. Oh. Um, I like to laugh. I prefer to laugh on a mound and distract me from what's going on than, than okay. actually like yeah. talk seriously. Um, there was a start, though, that I will not forget. and This is where I just learned my new slider grip, AAA. I'm like, oh, man, I'm feeling good. Just came off the All-Star break. No, right before the All-Star break. I know I'm going, so I'm like fired up. My... <laughs> My pitching coach goes, "Cole, you know what I just realized?" And I was like, "What, Lundy? What?" Dave Lundquist is his name, and uh, he goes, "You have a particular set of skills." <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and and before he gets through the whole quote of of that movie, um, I absolutely start cracking up, <laughs> and he goes. He goes, if you get a hit, I will find you and I will kill you. (laughs) And I'm dying laughing. He had to go to the dugout. We were laughing. Anytime we made eye contact, we were laughing so hard (laughs) that I couldn't warm up. So he went, he avoided the bullpen like he tried hiding behind the pole, we'd start laughing again. Like, like it was one (laughs) of those days. It was so organic again that we just started laughing so hard that it was like, Hey, I told him, I said, get, go into the dugout. I'll see you in there. I'll call. We'll cool down. We cooled (laughs) down. We were good. Uh, and I think in that start was when the, (laughs) <laughs> was when the Bull Durham quote came up. Um, I, you know we're dealing with a lot of crap here, and um, that's amazing. Yeah, that was that was a blast. I, I enjoyed my time there. And um, it was Dave that's Lundquist perfect. was one one of the better pitching coaches I I had.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. Amazing.
3: Um, all right. So to bring it back to uh to you, completely separate from baseball, uh, we know you have a Steam Deck. So mm-hmm. what is the best video game of all time?
2: Oh. You can't do all time. You, can. you can't because you can't because, because there are so many games through generations that are so good yeah. for the generation. Of course, Like yeah. like like when you're when you're a kid in in shoot high school for me, middle school for me, you got Guitar Hero came out. That thing was incredible, mm-hmm. right? Like that was incredible. Yeah. NFL Street, awesome, amazing. Yeah. Like like NHL ninety four was when I got really introduced to like video games like sure. Tommy Lasorda baseball on the Sega Genesis. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't know if you can necessarily pinpoint a particular game as being the best of all time. Um, however, however, I think <laughs> if I, I've been asked this question multiple times and I think there's just, there isn't a game that pops out to me, but I think the list of three for me is MLB Slugfest. Um, the one with Griffey or not Griffey uh, uh, mm. Sammy Sosa on the cover mm. um, and that's that's baseball wise like I have to throw a baseball one in there and sure. they need to bring sure. Slugfest back um, I think you have to do some type of racing Mario Kart to me is like the staple Absolutely. of any racing video game that you play like everyone yep. starts with Mario Kart so that's that's up there um, and then the third one is like, whatever you grew up on, like whatever you mm. played as a kid, like for me, it was always like Sparrow or Spyro, oh. Spyro, Spyro. Me. Yeah. Spyro, the Spyro. dragon, Spyro, the dragon. I played every Spyro game. Um, yeah. and Crash Bandicoot. Those are two like, yeah. sin, like, sure, they're yeah. very close to each other for me that are like, I will never get tired of those titles. Like when Crash Bandicoot, the, like the re generated one yep. like came out mm-hmm. like i played i i i still play it um that's a fun game for me but i'm into i'm into kind of all games i'm playing that harry potter game right now we won't mm-hmm. talk about i'm not necessarily a fan of harry potter but i'm i'm enjoying the game it's different yeah um good. but i i i sit in my sim racing rig at home a lot of the time and race so oh, oh awesome. i like to that's race pretty sick I like to yeah, drive a whole thing with like the pedals and the wheel. And oh, that. this thing, this thing's a monsters, uh, victory sim, um, plug them. They are incredible. They provided me with a seat. Um, It's a triple monitor. Um, I got got surround sound speakers. It's it's an actual race bucket seat that you can actually remove and put into a race car. Um, The pedals are inverted. Um, I got a shifter if I really need it. But the paddle uh, or the steering wheel is direct drive. And this thing feels like, for instance, Daytona 500 was yesterday. Uh And I was telling guys like, When you get into that draft, it feels like that steering wheel goes from stiff to an absolute just like there's nothing that can control your car. And that's true in NASCAR. And I've talked to guys that I know that that drive is like when you get behind a car and you take the wind out from both cars, Mm -hmm. and now that that wind's going over both cars, the steering wheel almost becomes just like super lightweight and just has no like – you almost get zero feedback from what's Hmm. going on in your car. And so that's why you see guys when they're in races, fishtail or like Mm -hmm. kind of like jolt to one side or another. It's because they lost that feeling of that steering wheel being sucked in by the draft but they want to be in it so That's it's it's wild it's cool and i get to experience that in that sim racing rig. so victory sim, thank you i'm more addicted to racing than ever. so you
1: you're you're nascar over f1 or both
2: uh no i watch i watch all racing i went to a sprint car race last week um here in tampa like i go to any racing my brother-in-law uh drives short course off-road uh awesome. my wife covers two-wheel racing american flat track a world supercross Um, I am very, very plugged in with the racing world and I could not have found a better hobby to be a fan of. All right. Um,
1: This is the last one that we got for you. Love the answers to those questions. It was very, again, a very poetic answer. Whatever one was your favorite as a childhood is the best, I think is quite nice. But this last question, love asking this to pitchers. It's my favorite. Is there a single pitch that has stuck out to you in your career. The most memorable pitch. It could be one that you gave up. It's a home run. One that was the first time you developed a slider. It looks like you already have it. What is this pitch?
2: it I knew I knew this. As soon as you f- started forming the question, it was the pitch that came up to mind. Okay. My third start in the big leagues. Um, I'm at Wrigley Field and we won't talk about my first hit off Cole Hamels. That's totally besides <laughs> the point. Um <laughs> That's not even the pitch, the pitch Mm -hmm. to me. And I'm a, again, I, we stated this is bringing this whole thing full circle. So perfect way to end it. I'm a fan of the game. I'm a fan of Mm -hmm. being at Wrigley field when it's Sunday night baseball, it's sold out Mm -hmm. Wednesday night. It was Wednesday night baseball and it was sold out. Fans were going nuts. This is peak Chicago Cubs baseball. And I, I was in the fifth inning or sixth inning, sixth inning. And Pitching to Albert Almora. Bases loaded, two outs. Okay. Wind is blowing out at Wrigley. I know I throw a changeup. It's going to be an out. We're going to get out of the inning. Throw the changeup. After the mound visit, it's hit 410 feet over the fence. Mm. I get pulled from the game, but what I remember most was the roar in the just in my belly. The roar in my belly from the fans going nuts Mm. and to me that was the coolest mlb (laughs) major league baseball like feeling ever and i was the opposing pitcher and to me i was so freaking like like holy crap this place is rocking this was the coolest feeling ever and the fact that i could i was so angry but also like well aware of my surroundings like it was such a odd emotional moment for me but i i have said this story multiple times to multiple people and i was like i will always reflect on that game as being one of the coolest fan experiences like yeah i was getting yelled at coming off the field i was getting stuff in my dms like yeah Mm. whatever but i still won't ever forget that feeling that whole day to me was amazing i got my first hit I, 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 I went six, almost six innings at Wrigley Mm -hmm. and yeah, I gave up a grand slam, but shoot, the fans were the coolest part about it was just like how loud it was at Wrigley field. Um, you know, first time ever pitching there. That was that was one of the most, what a great answer. Badass, a beautiful
1: ever. I, I, I pulled it up on baseball savant. You're right. The crowd goes crazy. You had just struck out Kyle Schwarber on a nice 3-2 slider.
2: Yeah, he Uh, dented a ball on the first pitch of the game. We won't talk about that one, though. (laughs) I I literally got the ball back. It hit off the wall in right field. I got the ball back. It was slightly lopsided. Oh,
1: my God. He hit it so hard. Uh, That is amazing. Cole, I got to say, we have done a lot of these And this might be a top one for me. This has been just fantastic. Your passion for the game is contagious. I am proud as all heck that you're a Baltimore Oriole. We cannot thank you enough for for taking time and for letting your Chinese food get cold as you talk (laughs) to us. So thank you very much, man.
2: Yeah. Thanks, guys, for having me. I had a blast. And and hopefully we can do it again. Maybe do a midweek and kind of catch up on, on things.
1: That sounds great, man. It's perfect to me. Take care, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Yeah. Thanks, guys.